0: Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One.
1: If you like my show, you're going to love Revenge of the Jocks with Martellus Bennett. Join Super Bowl champ Martellus Bennett as he covers a broad spectrum of what it means to be a creative, to be an activist, and an overall culture-shaping world changer. He's no one-trick pony. Listen free to this show each week exclusively on Apple Podcasts, One.com, and the Podcast One app. If you love the show, share it with a friend and leave a rating and review. In honor of self-improvement, you also may like The Dr. Drew Show, The Jordan Harbinger Show, or The Good Life with Stephen Sazan, only on Podcast One. Welcome to Real GM Radio, I am Daniel Rue, your host, and so happy to have you with us for this episode. This is a continuation of the Division Capsule series, so that's off-season review, regular season preview, this time on the Central Division with... Two people I am very familiar with and listeners of the show should be, Nate Duncan of the Dunked On Basketball Podcast and Dan Feldman of NBC's Pro Basketball Talk. We go through a lot of the big moves, lots of stuff to talk about with these five teams, and talking about the season to come was was pretty fun. And this episode is brought to you by... BetOnline.ag, your place for making sports bets, and if you use the promo code Podcast One, that's with the number one, you get a fifty percent bonus on your first deposit, which is awesome. Simple Contacts, so here you can go to either to SimpleContacts.com/slash/realgm20, or you can use that same realgm20 code to get twenty dollars off your first order. Great product quip awesome electric toothbrush getquipcom realgm slash real gm is the way to get there because then you can get a one of your refill packs for free which is fantastic and then true car great place to buy new and used cars this episode runs a little bit over an hour i think it's an hour and 10 minutes lots of good stuff unvarnished in, in input on a lot of these different conversations from people who know it very well so i hope you enjoy it thank you guys so much for coming on
0: thanks for having
2: us I decided I was going to let Dan respond first this time since we're usually we're usually so good at responding immediately together.
0: It's a good thing I decided to respond first or else we would have been there for a long time.
1: <laughs> that that's true. So the the central division we were just talking about this before we recorded that this wasn't the most active division in terms of offseason though there are cer- certainly specific moves that i want to talk about just because there there were interesting decisions that these front offices made but overall i think it's on the short list for the division where the at least the offseason part of this is probably the least dynamic
2: so don't I listen think, to the podcast oh like, no i mean <laughs> you still That's have what you're saying. yes this, this yes, is gonna course. be terrible
1: Make make sure to I mean, make sure to check out all the sponsored products. But other than that, <laughs> do what you do what you will.
0: I mean, I I think this is the most boring division. But we're gonna make it. Oh no, the South the
2: Southeast is way more boring. The, like the Southeast had absolutely zero player movement whatsoever. Like Dwight Howard was the biggest free agent a- acquisition in I guess, I guess Atlanta. That's the like Atlanta was fascinating. And then every other Southeast team is just like, Oh, we're right up against the tax. We can't do anything. We're just gonna stay here.
0: Well, the Wizards made it. Dwight Howard, the Austin Rivers trade was kind of interesting, and then the draft. Like the Southeast Division had a bunch of intriguing draft picks. The Central does not.
1: Hey, now we'll we'll find we'll find some to get interested in. But I-, I like to start these with a a basic question, which is what teams in this division got better, and we'll think more about the immediate. But if you want to think long term, feel free. And which teams got worse?
2: Yeah, this is interesting. I, I'm very interested to see what Dan says on this question too. Cleveland obviously got worse. I think the Bucs, uh, when you throw Budenholzer in there, they probably got better. I mean, and now we're we're not, we're excluding internal development in this, right? Like this is just, you know, in terms of their acquisitions, like did they get better or worse? At least that's how I'm looking at it. You know, Giannis might take another step forward for the Bucks, but like I'm saying, alright, guys they lost versus guys they added, you know, are they better or worse? And then uh, the Bulls is another really interesting one. If you want to compare them to where they were at the end of last season, they clearly got better when they're taking their butts off. But uh, if you want to compare them to their overall season record from last year, you, you might have a question. Indiana, I think, got better. And Detroit, I would say, got slightly worse, but pretty much treaded water. But, uh, Dan, I'm really, uh, what do you think about Detroit as our resident Detroit expert? Do they get better or worse?
0: So that's really the only one I disagree with you on. I think the Pistons got better, and maybe this is just us counting it differently, but I think just by virtue of Reggie Jackson getting healthy, they're going to be better. That was such a big setback for them. They just were not prepared to handle that injury. So I think that makes them better. Uh, well, the only and, other oh, one— Sorry,
1: The I want to add in there, too. The thing Nate talked about with the Bulls is kind of the opposite with the Pistons because they had better talent at the end of the year than they did at the beginning of the year. So their overall did talent they? level—
2: <laughs> oh. well maybe better healthy talent you could say you could make that argument uh, but yeah no I don't, no, I don't know. see I, I can,
1: uh, Avery Bradley had such a lost season that I don't really count him too much in that like if theoretically if they had had 100% Avery Bradley then yeah that would have been a different conversation but they didn't but yeah I mean Tobias Harris was an underappreciated part of the Pistons and is now a maybe getting closer to properly appreciated part of the, of the Clippers
0: yeah I mean to- Tobias Harris is solid and you know Avery Bradley there was a portion of his season where he was healthy and the Pistons got all of it now they also got some of the downturn but there was a time where he was helping them too
2: yeah but the the Pistons basically I mean uh, among guys who are not second round picks or end of the bench guys you know they added GR3 who basically was a total non-contributor last year in part due to the ankle but you know I mean he's he's more of a speculative Play. I think he could get there but then they lost Tolliver who uh, in both of his stints in Detroit I thought was a very underrated contributor and James Ennis although maybe he wasn't at the best level we've seen him in Detroit certainly has had a, a better career so far than GR3 and then you know they got Kerry Thomas and Bruce Brown and Zaza and Jose Calderon but you know I don't think you're expecting Big contributions from any of those guys. So that's why I would say they got worse. Just, to, you know, if you're a say, you're adding up guys added versus guys subtracted, I think they lost more talent than they gained, at least as far as this season is concerned.
0: I would agree with that. My saying my better is based almost 100% on Reggie Jackson being healthy. And you're right, the Tolliver loss is probably an underrated one. Uh, the, the one the one I had a little bit more on was the Pacers. I think they'll probably be better. I really like the Tyreek Evans signing. I really like the Kyle Quinn signing. Notice I didn't say anything about Doug McDermott. I'm not sure they'll have a better record, though. Uh, I think they, they kind of exceeded their, what they were last year a little bit in their record. So they could be better, and it might not show up in the win-loss record.
2: When someone takes as, as big a step forward as Oladipo did, you know you would have to say that uh, that's prime for at least some regression. The only real rotation guy they lost from last year of any importance is Lance Stevenson and they replaced him with Tyreek, McDermott, Kyle O'Quinn, who, you know, seems a little superfluous on this roster. Aaron Holiday maybe can give them something at backup point guard as an older rookie. So I, I mean I think they got better. I I am not ready to decide yet whether I think they'll have as good of a record as last year. I mean, they they won forty eight last year, right? So right, uh, yeah, a disastrous win at the end of the season that uh, you know really cost them like four slots in the draft. Uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, just because they had guys who played, I mean, it really was, I guess, Oladipo and you know guys like Collison, Bogdanovich could take a step back to be sure. Uh, but no, I think they clearly added talent. If you know, perhaps f- didn't really change their long-term future with their work this summer.
1: Something else with the Pacers is that while they were they were even stronger in their own three-point shooting most of last year, they ended up I think seventh, and they finished the year fourth in opponent three-point shooting. So that means the fourth worst percentage and i think that was a big part of their defense being not as as good as it was it was you know they were still 12th which is which is above average so i mean that's solid but if that takes a step back i think they could still get better offensively just because Oladipo, if he has any more in him he could you know push this to another level they have plenty of talent But if the defense, you know, if that was a little bit of assistance from opponents just missing shots that they would normally make, I could see that taking a step back to maybe because, like, I don't look at this team and see the fundamentals of a really strong defensive squad. Not a bad one for sure, but, you know, I could see them being somewhere from 15 to 20 instead of 12. And the
0: same token, though, I think they play hard defensively. I think they have a a good defensive culture in that regard, and... That's the type of thing closing out on those shots that you know can help three point percentage. you know i I understand what you're saying. It is a fairly random stat, but to the degree which you can control it within your abilities, I think the pacers are are decent at that.
2: What do you guys think about the bulls? I mean that that's one where I mean they added talent. It's young talent. there are big questions about them defensively this year. You'd imagine they would be better offensively. Uh, do you think they could be better than they were last year?
0: I had the exact same take that you did, Nate, which is they'll probably be better than the team that ended last season, but not, maybe not better overall than what they were last season. My favorite bull stat, a majority of their wins last season came with Nikola Miritich playing you know in that short little time after he had gotten out of the hospital before he got traded they were on such a tear he was playing very well and he's gone but the team we saw you know the second half of the season he had nothing to do with that
2: also worth noting the bulls expected wins last year was 23 and they won 27 so they're really starting from more like a 23 win baseline in terms of where they were and and, and you mentioned of course that they wasn't so many games with Mirtich going crazy and really without him we're, we're not any good. I mean they had a lot of injuries down the end of last year as well, well.
1: And, and also Zach Levine. I mean yeah. Zach Levine cannot play as bad. As he did last year. I mean, that's it. it, he didn't play for the first half of the year, but the guy we saw when he returned was awful. You know, like that was worse than that rookie year when Sam Mitchell was playing him at point guard and he had no idea what was going on. Like that was the last year was the worst I've seen Zach Levine play. And he'll be better than that. I don't know how much better he'll be, but... I'm absolutely fascinated in this Bulls team because my instinct is that the hole is going to be less than the sum of their parts because they have all these guys that want the ball in their hands offensively that aren't nearly as valuable off it and they have just so many bad defenders, but I'm not as locked in on that kind of like fit toxicity as I am with the team, let's say like the Lakers, where those guys are more established, like maybe it's just that these some of these guys like Jabari have been in situations where they weren't going to do this, but then again... Chicago isn't going to be good enough to really inspire that, like bringing the best out of them because that's good because they're a playoff team and you have to step up your game or else you're not going to play or something like that.
2: Well, here's a a question for you about the Bulls too. Do they have a single player who's an above average passer for his position and role? Um, I I can't think of one And usually when you see some teams that disappoint offensively, a lot of times it's because they just don't have – the passing.
0: i would say that after his experience playing point guard that maybe you could say i mean it depends how you define role right like if i say yeah. zach levine is just a scoring shooting guard he's a pretty good passer for that if i say that robin lopez is just a hustle player he maybe he's a good passer for that or if uh, wendell carter jr if you say he's a rookie big man He might be a good passer for that, Uh, but that might be a little too specific for what you mean.
2: Yeah, I shouldn't have said role. I should have just – I mean, I'm kind of more thinking of, like, you know, passer for a number one scorer or something along those lines. But, yeah, I mean, it's really – Levine, maybe you can make the argument, although he certainly takes plenty of bad shots uh, himself. So uh, Chris Dunn is never wowed with his vision, and uh, the fact that you don't respect his jump shot makes it harder for him to draw the defense and make those passes. So, yeah, I I mean, you know, I'm thinking that uh, this Bulls team is like, do you think they could even be an average offense? I think they're
0: probably going to be below average. Well, I've got one. Uh, I think Denzel Valentine is probably above average passer for his position. He's a good passer for a wing.
1: Well, and that's what gets into one of the questions that I had with this team, which is – what is their rotation going to look like? Because you have no real small forwards on the roster, so there's been that speculation that they're going to start Jabari and Markin together, which brings a whole bunch of weird issues.
2: I mean, I don't think that's speculation. That was actually reported by Casey by Johnson. By Casey, okay. So,
1: so, yeah, so they're going to start this weird patchwork quilt of a lineup, and then also think about what that does to their second unit. I mean, so their second unit's going to have – Probably Wendell Carter in, in less and until he can take the starting spot. Holiday, campaign, Bobby Portis, and either Valentine or Hutchison. That's a strange lineup. And then you think about if any of those top guys get hurt, then it it gets thrown out of whack again. I mean, their point guard rotation is horrifying.
2: Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's not good either. So, I mean, and then where does Justin Holiday fit in? He, he's probably a, a trade candidate. So, I'm, and then I think, you know, you have to – Say at least in terms of personnel, this Bulls team looks like a bottom five defense right now. So, you know, even if they can get to average in offense, which I, you know, I'm just not sure that they can with the lack of passing, the chemistry. I mean, I think they've they probably got enough shooting. I would say their shooting, their team shooting overall, is probably about average. So. You know, that that's looking like the 20th best offense, maybe 15 if they're lucky. So, yeah, it's looking like another long year in Chicago despite the the outdoors. And the fact that I liked a lot of their moves this offseason. But, you know, they need another, another guy on this team still, too, as far as, like, with star potential long-term.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the rotation because I was initially thinking, with a lot of teams in Chicago's range where you're trying to project the win total – I think a lot of times you can lean toward the under and say, well, look at, if they're around that range, then they're going to start tanking by the end of the year. And they could even t- start tanking to some degree sooner, uh, at least to some level. And I'm thinking, well, look at, you know, how much are they going to play their young players? How much are they going to play their veterans who fit better? And man, I, you know, you bring up that bench. I don't know what the right way to make this fit is. I think Robin Lopez is kind of underrated. He, he can play, he can help a team. Uh, so can Justin Holliday, but, switching them out like there's not a way to to change this rotation unless you just take those guys out uh so either they're going to i don't know they're just kind of stuck with a a weird rotation no matter what it
1: seems well and the bulls are in this situation it's the same thing that happened last year where they're getting all of the pain of tanking without the biggest benefits i mean if wendell carter ends up being one of the top five guys in this draft and we still are a long long way from knowing that that maybe they got some of the benefit but this team, you know, I, I see it being exceedingly unlikely that they make the playoffs. And so does winning 29 or 30 games mean a whole lot more than winning 24? Not to me, but the problem is this is sort of paralleling Sacramento where that wasn't their intention. It's just that they were so bad at doing what they wanted to do that they ended up in this place.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> the big difference between the Bulls and the Kings is at least the Bulls have their first-round pick. It might not be as high as you want for a miserable season, but they'll have it.
2: Well, so uh, what about the Bucks? I think that's another interesting question of wh- whether they got better or not. I mean, are you in agreement that you would expect them to be better this year despite the loss of Parker, who, you know, if we're being honest, didn't really help them much during the regular season?
0: Yep, yeah, because of Bud. I mean— you can debate exactly how Ilya Sova fits, how Brooke Lopez fits. And I tend to like those moves, at least for next season. But I think going from Jason Kidd to to Mike Bunholzer is a
2: big, big upgrade. Yeah, or Joe Prunty,
0: uh, f- for that matter. Uh, yeah, I mean, to be fair, I don't know how much Prunty had a chance to change too much from what Kidd was doing. We obviously saw some differences, but it, it's hard yeah. to change that. J- Jason Kidd
2: was whispering in his ear in Game 7 that he should play uh, <laughs> Tyler Ooh, Zeller and, and Jason Terry a combined 30 minutes in that game. Well,
1: and, and some of some of what the Bucks did is just having more capable options, So, like at the center spot. I'm not totally sure that Brooke Lopez is going to cure what ails them, just like I'm not sure I wish Thon Maker was. But at least having another guy, you know, it's kind of like what the Nets did with their rotation of just getting a bunch of dudes and just we'll see who, who ends up being good enough to play. Adding that kind of backstop, I think, could end up being useful. And and Ilyusova, I don't like as much in that concept, but there's certainly a part of being like that solid vetness that can help this team of just making sure that they don't have as many negatives on the floor.
2: Yeah, I think Brooke Lopez, the, their center position was such a black hole last year, and especially with Lopez's ability to spread the floor and maybe even get into the post against switches as well. I think that should give. Giannis, more room to operate. Sterling Brown in a nice summer league, maybe they can get some more out of him. And, uh, you know, more. I think that Budenholzer, they made so many mental mistakes last year, especially in the playoffs, that hopefully Budenholzer can really help with that. You know, I'm not sure how amazing of a game coach Budenholzer is but I think he's one of the best in terms of implementing his system and helping his guys avoid mental mistakes so you know someone like Eric Bledsoe certainly with his physical talent but Tony Sunel like those are guys who I think could really benefit uh, from an improved teaching ability
0: it's easy for us to say that you know Brook Lopez provides the spacing And we could say that no matter who the coach is, but I think there's an added level of confidence because we know what type of system Bud likes to run. He knows how to maximize that spacing, and I, I really think that could be very dangerous with Giannis taking advantage of it.
1: Yeah, and I'm also excited. So we get the you talked about teaching Nate and I think that that also connects with the, the two kind of parallels of this with the Bucks as an older team and then the Suns as a younger team with Kakoshkov like we bo- we think both of those teams had just massive coaching upgrades. And so we'll get a A sense of what parts of that you know like what can be taught and untaught and what parts of it are and maybe some of it is just a guy certain guys marcus chris might just be really hard to teach (laughs) plenty more to talk about with dan and nate but it's a very exciting time in the gambling and betting world and it's a pleasure to announce that bet online is the exclusive partner with podcast one Sportsnet, of which real jam radio is a part and BetOnline.ag. There are go-to guys who we trust for all things betting. That's lines, odds, wagers, inside information—you name it. So, for those of you who are interested in football, seasons of course right around the corner. If you're looking for a place to make your online wagers, you can do that at BetOnline.ag to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. The promo code here is Podcast One P O D C A S T One for a fifty percent sign-up bonus and. They're the best place to get into all the action when it comes to Major League Baseball. So if you sign up again at betonline.ag and use that podcast one promo code, you get a 50% bonus on your first deposit, put down wagers on any game. So take advantage of it, betonline.ag and then that podcast one, the number one promo code. Also want to tell you about our friends at Simple Contacts. Simple Contacts is the most convenient way to renew your contact lens prescription and reorder your brand of contacts from anywhere in minutes. If you need to renew your prescription, you can take their five-minute vision test online, gets reviewed by a licensed doctor, and you re- receive a renewed prescription, reorder your contacts. All you need is your current contacts, internet connection, and 10 feet of space. I did the test, was really impressed with the thoroughness that was reviewed. I actually had a, they caught it issue with my test. And so I had to redo it. I was very impressed with that. It was something that if you didn't have an actual person there, wouldn't have done it. And also on top of all that, it's super convenient. I mean, you can do it from anywhere in minutes, comfort of your own home. It's so fast, less than five minutes to do the test and they do review everything. So there are lots of reasons why you would need to get to renew your prescription, check it out. And also the vision test is only $20. So if you compare that with an appointment, which can be super expensive, it's also super inconvenient and their lens prices are unbeatable. So you're saving money on both ends of that. So if you want to check them out, I really like it. What simple contacts is doing where it's, it's both a URL and a promo code. You can use either one, but so you can go to simplecontactscom realgm real GM 20, or you can enter the code realgm 20 at checkout either way. And the reason why it's 20 is because you get. $20 off. So it's an easy way to remember it. So you go to simplecontacts.com realgm20, or you enter the code there. And must be noted that it is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam, but it is an amazing, amazing service that I've been happy to test out myself.
2: So what else do we have to talk about here, Danny?
1: Well, so I think in terms of better or worse, I think we're, we're pretty much where we need to be. But the next question that I like to do is a moves that could be a draft pick, that could be a trade, it could be a signing from these five teams that stood out to you for whatever reason.
0: I would say the Bucks losing Jabari Parker and getting nothing in return. That's never really happened for a number two pick before. And it's not even that the Bucks made the wrong call. You know, there's a lot of risk in paying Parker long term. It was an awkward fit. Maybe it had just run its course they still got Elias they still got Brook Lopez like i don't think the bucks are in worse shape necessarily because of this i just found it interesting that they let it get to this point no team has ever done this before you draft a player very high other teams want him Usually you can still trade him. You figure it out while there's still some value you can recover something for him. And so this is not really a single offseason issue, but it's a four-year issue that the Bucks just never figured out what to do to, with Jabari Parker until they said, all right, we're going to make him unrestricted and he can go to Chicago. And that's just never happened before.
2: Would you guys have rather had Parker... In Milwaukee on the contract he signed with the Bulls, uh, and had to pay a few million in tax. Granted, it's not our money, but still. Uh, or would you rather have Ilyasova?
0: If it's not my money, I'd rather have Parker, and it's not close.
2: Yeah, uh, but
0: it, you know, because we talked about mind. this
2: on our grades yesterday. Uh, that you know, in theory, I mean, unless Parker was just like, no, I'm never coming back to Milwaukee. If they could have just given him that same contract, they might have been a little bit into the tax, but they still would have been able to sign Brook Lopez with the mid mini- mid level had a better team not lost parker and still preserved 2019 flexibility but because the tax is a total non-starter in milwaukee they weren't able to do that
0: to be fair yes it's paying a little bit of the tax but it's also not being one of the non-tax paying teams that gets a i think it's half now of the the tax paid and this year shaping up to be a very high tax paid amount so to miss out on getting that check that matters too
2: well, not to us. We don't
0: own the team. Sure. <laughs> yes. We, Just basketball but, st- yeah. strategy, team building. No question, I'd rather have Jabari on that contract.
1: Sure. Well, something else that was interesting to me was Milwaukee. I guess this was the other way that you could do it: is that they kept their first round pick, drafted Divincenzo, and mm-hmm. like they could have used that to theoretically dump salary. Like maybe there would have been a way to, to do both things, giving up something else. Like I'm not exactly yeah. Like they could. It, it's hard with Milwaukee because so much of their money is tied up in multi year contracts. But maybe that's what it would have taken to offload somebody like John Henson. So maybe if you dump Henson. With that pick, and maybe you get back like a, a guy at the minimum that could maybe help your team or something, and then you, you so then you're below the tax. That might have been another way to do it.
0: On a wider note, you know, maybe the market just wasn't there for that. I was surprised how few, if any, salary dumps included guys on multi-year contracts. So many of these dumps, even ones where teams had to give up a, a, a decent pick, it was a guy on an expiring contract.
2: Um, all right. So, so to answer your question, Danny, I think. Uh, the, the Parker move for the Bulls would be the one for me. A very intriguing structure. <laughs> two years, second year team option, $20 million per season. I really liked it. that move for them. Some were critical of, well, you could have done more with this space. But I do think at least Parker gives them the upside of really – I'm more of a Parker believer probably than anyone, at least his upside. I think you know, certainly the injuries, the fact that he's played one half of defense in his career uh, is something that has diminished the likelihood of him reaching a, a stratosphere. But I still think he could be a dominating scorer if everything breaks right for him. And so to get a player like that with that upside, team control for next year, or you can decline that player option if it doesn't work out or he gets injured and it, you can uh, get into the free agent market I, I thought that that was a win and I, I feel better about that than you know getting a 2019 first round pick from the nuggets let's say
0: oh so you would have done that ahead of the denver trade yeah i think i i think i would have. see i like the parker signing just fine but i definitely would have done the nuggets trade before that I okay. I, I would have. I,
1: <laughs> it, it's a. Cl- We've we
0: established a disagreement.
2: It, it's a
1: close call. <laughs> I think I would rather have the pick partially just because that price for Jabari Parker is so high, and I, you would get the benefit of depending on how his season went. Of maybe you could say, "Hey, if we we can decline this option and figure out a deal that makes sense for everybody," you know, I mean, get some, maybe get ten million or fifteen million a year instead of that full twenty. Whereas a draft pick, especially because it's protected top 12, won't cost as much money and the Bulls, theoretically, will want to use their space. I don't know how how much that was one of my criticisms of the Levine trade. It was funny to get blowback on that, being like, the Bulls are never going to spend their money. It's not that big a deal. But the other one that I wanted to talk about is Kevin Love's extension. And this is just, it's so emblematic to me of what a... Front office or ownership, and you know, with a lot of these big decisions, you you don't you. I you want to think of it as an organizational decision because certainly Dan Gilbert was consulted, if not a driving force behind this. I don't know. Is this idea of impatience and being averse to a certain type of risk, but not another type of risk? Because here it seems like the Cavs were very aware of the risk that kevin love was going to leave that he would decline his player option that he would be somewhere else and whatever comes from that but they were not as either not as aware of or just didn't care about the risk that kevin love is not worth this contract because this is a lot of money to throw at somebody who is going to be in his 30s for this contract
2: Yeah, Dan, I said when it first came out that it became a candidate, not the absolute worst, but in terms of non-Sour 2016 contracts, I think this is a candidate for worst in the NBA. Do you agree with that or are you more optimistic than I am?
0: I completely agree. I mean, I'm not saying it's bound to work out poorly, but it is a candidate. Look at Kevin Love's age. Look at his injury history. I think one of the uh, biggest mistakes people have made this offseason is thinking, well, LeBron's gone, Kyrie's gone, he can go back to being Minnesota Kevin Love. That guy was getting MVP votes. He is so much older. His body has been through so much wear and tear. That player was super athletic, and I just don't think he can get back to that. He's probably a. am sm- sure he's a smarter player now. He can do some different things. But to carry that load, to be that type of player, I just don't think he could snap his fingers and say, just because I'm going to try to play that role, I can produce at that level. And if he can't, then this contract could get ugly.
1: Can I take a quick second to go back in time and tell the me that saw Kevin Love play at Lake Oswego that he would at one point be referred to as super athletic? It's a credit He got in super shape. I don't agree with that. You don't think so?
0: I think his functional athleticism was so high he got into great shape uh, and built up his strength and was a, a different type of athlete than he was early in his career and then he has been later in his career. But there was when he was that Minnesota Pete Kevin Love, I think he was a good athlete.
2: I mean, relative to where he was and where he would finish, then yes, I, I agree with you. Yeah, but I mean, like,
1: like Thaddeus Young, just picking a player who was involved in a trade with him who played the same position, like Thaddeus Young was always substantially more athletic than Kevin Love.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you're just uh, now, I mean, if you're going to throw in like, okay, his ability to use his body around the rim and stuff like that. Yeah. But I mean, if you're just talking about. Run, jump, athleticism. I, yeah, that's I cannot like the, say that it's I like the Demarcus
1: damn. Cousins physical talent argument, rather than athleticism. Like Demarcus Cousins is, or or Julius Randall, maybe in that same way. We're, but those guys are both more athletic than Kevin Love is. But but let's get back to the point though. And and the other part of this Kevin Love thing is the assumption, for whatever reason, that Ty Lu is just all of a sudden going to rework this offense to make it work around Kevin Love. Like we've really <laughs> seen Ty Lue run one thing and that is everything through LeBron. And LeBron played in all 82 games last year. He played in every playoff game. Was awesome in a large portion of the playoffs and then when he gave a crap in the regular season.
2: And- well, uh, this would be a great stat too. What it, I has Lue, I think he's won one game in his career without LeBron. It might even be zero. Wow.
0: I I will say that every single year, Teron Liu has talked about giving Kevin Love a lot of touches. So maybe this is the year they actually do it. I'm sure this will be the year they actually do it, right?
2: (laughs) Well, it'd be interesting. I could see him not getting as many touches as people believe. I I could put it that that way. Let's see. also, it, it, we'll see whether Colin Sexton is in the starting lineup or not. He probably won't be. I guess it'll probably be George Hill it, when Hill's
0: healthy. Yeah.
1: So the last I... the last game the Cleveland Cavaliers won where LeBron James did not play was March sixteenth, twenty sixteen. So I right, believe so that was him. That was, yeah, was Tyloo. That they beat the Dallas Mavericks by 1.99-98. <laughs> Wow.
2: Yeah, I think that's the only game in the Tyloo era because that coaching transition happened like, you know, January 18th or something, 2016.
1: Yeah. Kyrie had 33 points and made a key steal to, to win that game as <laughs> David Lee scored 20 points and J.J. Perea <laughs> <laughs> scored 17. Oh, man. David uh, Lee fall out of uh, fell out of
0: the consciousness real quick. Maybe not for you guys.
1: <laughs> There's a chapter on him in my book, so he didn't fall out of my consciousness for a while. But yeah, but I think the Kevin Love thing, like, there's just this distinct chance that he's just a gigantic anchor on their books for four more years. And I'm happy that they structured it in a coherent way, you know, so it goes up and then stays flat and then it drops down. So that makes it theoretically more tradable, you know, just that it's not continually rising. But 30 million, 31 million on their books is a lot of money. And they can't really, you know, even if he, he'll, I, I don't think he's, unless he gets hurt or something, he's going to be straight up dead money. But there can be a lot of negative value on that contract, and once teams spend recklessly in 2019 and maybe 2020 as well, there isn't going to be. It's going to be like kind of like it was this summer, where there isn't much of a, a palette for taking on this kind of money.
0: You know, the best defense of this extension that I've heard is Kevin Love is a star, and he wanted to stay in Cleveland, and Cleveland can't get stars unless they drafted two of them or one of them the second time happened to be from the area. Otherwise, they're not going to get stars, and Kevin Love wanted to be there. And I think there's something to that, right? You get a star player that's nice to have. It might not go perfectly, but you can try and figure things out from there. But I think that's such a a fleeting victory, that you feel good right now about a star wanting to commit long-term, but if he falls off and becomes a bad contract, nobody's going to say, well, look, he was a star who wanted to stay here, Like, people are just gonna be mad at him for making too much money. That's how it always works.
2: Yeah, and I mean, they had their press conference with like a bunch of local children that they brought in and their, it was against the backdrop of their arena renovations and all this stuff. Can we we talk
0: about that press conference for a minute? Like they had- Uh, I didn't
2: watch it, I just read it. I didn't
0: watch it either, but it sounded like they had like the construction workers who were renovating the arena come by. And, like, I'm wondering if, like, this is just cutting into the work they're trying to do so they can go home for the day. they got to watch this other guy, like, sign for millions of dollars. Like, I don't know.
2: Kevin Love's yep. going to put his hard hat on and go to work every day just like that for you Cavs fans this <laughs> regular season.
0: I see the imagery, but if I'm one of the guys actually wearing the hard hat and trying to do the work, I'm not sure if I'm super appreciative of spending some of my day watching this.
1: Well, it's it's a paid break. You can think about it that way. I'm sure, I'm sure they were compensated for their time. Uh... You're making I sorry I shouldn't be sorry I shouldn't be sure. I am <laughs> I am hopeful and largely confident. But yeah, the the other move that I wanted to talk about briefly was Milwaukee's decision to use their full mid level on Ersan Ilyasova. This is kind of the other part of the Jabari thing that we've talked about before. And I like Ersan Ilyasova. I thought he was an important contributor to the Sixers last year. You saw the difference in their like their competence when he was on the floor, but This is a very narrow window for Milwaukee, where they know they have Giannis, where they're trying to see how good they can be, and you never know, I I mean, we think he's going to stay great forever, but you never know how big this window is. They also have Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton definitely under contract this year, we'll see moving forward, and... I don't think they swung for the fences enough with this. And he's... Also, I think of Giannis as a four. I think of Ilyasova as a four. So to me, this... It, it's not... Like, it's not a bad contract in isolation. It's just that it was a little bit too much for him. And it was their one shot at this. And I would rather see a team in their situation approach it differently.
0: To be clear, you're saying the shot is next summer and the error was giving him the second guaranteed year. No, I'm saying the spending error...
1: Spending... It's two errors. One is giving him multiple years and so... because. Now, if the luxury tax is a big thing for them or even the salary cap but also just that they had this block of like let's say eight million dollars to spend on on one or two guys i think he was the wrong guy to spend it on
0: i'm not sure who was out there this year who wanted to go to milwaukee in that price range who would have been better for them so to me the error if there is one it's it's about 2019 uh this for this next year if it was a one-year seven million dollar deal I'd say it's uh, it's totally fine. I just like, do you have somebody in mind who who would have been better?
2: Wayne Ellington.
0: Was he, did he want to leave Miami for Milwaukee? Well,
2: if they offered him double the money, I'm guessing he probably would have done it.
1: And he would have. I mean, they they had a place to use him. It's not like he's starting in Miami. I know he has the connection. Like Why they they were the team that really like they were the first team to ever re-sign him.
0: Well, it's not going to be double the money because he's making about six point three million. Yeah, Yeah, but but, so the Illyasova
2: is fourteen million guaranteed.
0: Oh, you're saying over multiple years?
2: If you're going to give him that contract,
0: you would have signed Ellington to a multi-year deal. I wouldn't have, but they were
2: willing to do so apparently. So I thought they could have done better with that kind of. I I mean, if you just look at the amount of guaranteed money. Now, maybe some of these guys just didn't want to even sign for a second year thinking that they could uh, mm-hmm. get back on the market. I don't think Ellington at age thirty necessarily would fall into that category, especially considering seven million be the most he's ever made in his career.
0: Yeah I mean maybe maybe not. I mean I do think i, I do think you I don't know this hundred percent, but I would think he'd prefer Miami to Milwaukee and so would he prefer a two year deal to a one year deal? Probably uh, in that price range. And so I just think those are different things to weigh. I wouldn't necessarily assume 100% you could get him for that price.
1: Yeah, that's fair. And it's also true that some of the other players that are strengths in this class, especially because they got Brooke for the BAE, wouldn't have moved the needle as much. Like theoretically, actually, Julius Randle would have been fascinating there. It would have compounded some of their issues, but man, that would have been fun. Yeah, Yeah, I don't think they. I like the floor spacing
0: center more for them.
2: Yeah, I I think I I agree with that. I mean, Randall's game is actually – Somewhat similar to Giannis's uh, mm-hmm. with the ball in his hands uh, in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, and, and the threes, you know, like, I I could go through the normal the normal rotation of guys, but none <laughs> of those are I, they aren't particularly great fits. No, there's there aren't any like three and D guys because the only other three and D guys got paid a lot more money for good reason.
2: I think uh, Bielitsa would have been an interesting mm-hmm. uh, fit there uh, as well, though they, they have enough guys who can handle the ball, so maybe
0: maybe Ilyasova is better than uh, than Bielitsa. I I have a B-Elita take for you guys because I know what you think about him. I, I think he is definitely far better at power forward, and this idea that he is so easily adaptable onto the wing a little bit more is because the Timberwolves were so desperate for wings in that environment he stood out. But put him on a team with decent wings, and I think it becomes, especially as he ages, becomes very more clear that he should be a stretch four, and then to me, somebody more similar to Ilyasova.
2: Yeah, I mean, he doesn't add the defense that Ilyasova does, but I think he part of his game that I thought was really unexplored was in in Europe. He's a guy who had the ball in his hands in pick and roll and was really a great pick and roll operator. And so I would be curious to see, you know maybe he just doesn't have the athleticism to do that in the NBA. I'd be interested to see whether he gets that chance now in Sacramento. But that was always on a... Minnesota team that had just a crap load of creators already he wasn't really offered the chance to do any of that
1: yeah that's true yeah and that's why it would have been interesting to see him on the Sixers where yeah they have a lot of they have Ben Simmons but if in that second unit they could have used another guy depending on what they get from Marco Fultz but that is a, an entirely different podcast. We can move on to the next question, which is the best newcomer to their team. So that, that you know newcomer could theoretically be a drafted guy, but as you guys know, drafted guys usually aren't that good, so it's probably going to be a signing.
2: I think it's clearly Tyreek Evans based on what he did last year. He's been forgotten about because he was shut down. For tanking purposes, pretty much as soon as Memphis decided that they were going to keep him. And, you know, of course, they had no real effort or chance of, of re signing him. And so if he could do what he did last year, I mean, now, that was easily the best shooting season of his career, so that may not happen. But even even with a step back, the only other person I think would be in that conversation would probably be Jabari if he can reach his potential and not be a complete sieve on defense. But because he's not at a point where he's contributed to winning basketball yet in his career, I think you know Tyreek would, would have to be far and away the answer at this point.
0: I've got one that I think can rival Tyreek Evans, but only because I am maybe cheating a little bit. Mike Buddenholzer. I think those two are neck and neck. I think Bud is going to be so good for, for what the Bucks need, and especially because he's taking over for a coach who did a pretty poor job.
1: Well, and that's the difference between Budenholzer and Dwayne Casey. Like, I like Dwayne Casey as a coach. I thought he did – he and his coaching staff, it's sometimes hard to parse, did a really good job in Toronto last year during the regular season. But Stan Van Gundy is a significantly better coach than Jason Kidd's mm-hmm. Joe Prunty. So the marginal benefit added is much more significant for Milwaukee than it is for Detroit.
2: Yeah, yes. I would I would second that. Yeah, I, I would say that if anybody uh, has the biggest influence, uh, that it would have to be Bud. But for a player,
0: yes, I agree. It's Tyreek Evans and nobody's close.
1: I was really hoping Nate was going to say Pat Connison, but alas. <laughs> and yeah, I would say Jabari of players is probably second. I mean, there's a chance that he's first just because he's so talented and he should get the opportunity in Chicago. And and also just because there aren't that many other other real possibilities here, then the last question of kind of the off season in review part of this, it's not what rookie you think is going to be best because I think that's an unnecessary question. It's what rookie you are most excited to see from this division.
0: Dante Divincenzo
2: from the Bucks. All right, well, he's going to have to get in line behind Pat Connaughton, though.
0: <laughs> I don't know if I'll see him. I'm excited. I'm not. I don't think he's going to crack the rotation. I don't expect to see him, but I'm still excited. I like the kind of the flair he plays with. He's. I'm going to. I'm going to use some innuendo here. He's sneaky athletic, and I, I think he could be a fun player.
2: Well, so who, who are our candidates here? We got Colin Wendell Sexton. Carter. Wendell Carter on the Bulls. Aaron Holiday on the Pacers. Sexton. Uh, Yeah, Colin Sexton. Yeah, I mean, it's really it's it's probably between Sexton and Carter. Carter would probably be the answer. I'm also curious to see whether he becomes the starter over Robin Lopez, who especially if the Bulls fall out of it early is a trade candidate on an expiring contract, Uh, although the Bulls are unlikely to take back longer-term money, so it may be more likely a buyout candidate uh, perhaps. But Carter, just the wealth of skills that he showed, the Bulls are – Supposed to be doing more switching this year. He looked good switching in Summer League. Granted, there are no James Hardens for him to guard one-on-one in Summer League. So I think that's one of the biggest things. I want to see whether his defensive versatility lives up to it, how he shoots the ball. He showed some flashes passing out of short rolls and in the high post. And it's just a very polished game. I'm looking forward to seeing how that can fit in. And if he can still look like a smart player, at the nba level the way he did in summer league and at duke
1: i'll have carter over sexton as well partially because it just takes point guards longer so i don't i'm not going to read as much into what sexton looks like this year as i am for carter
2: sexton only seems to have like one gear too at this point
1: i also wish he was way better defensively like sexton sexton has the alfred payton thing which is funny because they both have big hair (laughs) But where they look like they're better defenders than they are because at they, At least like,
2: Peyton got some steals. Oh, you can't even say that about Sexton.
1: Yeah, so like, and, and there was that one play where, like, Sexton, I think that was in was in one of the late parts of Summer League where he, like, stared down, he, like, stared down a Laker. I think it was Josh Hart. Stared him down and then... Oh, yeah. It's just, like, he, he looks... Like, you look at Colin Sexton, if you... if you He's a great test of if somebody's paying attention. Because you could say, oh, like, it, oh, he, he looks like a good defender, all this stuff. He, he's very... He's a very intense dude, but he just... He never really tried at Alabama. He never really stuck out to me when we saw him in person at, like, the Hoop Summit, didn't in Summer League as well. And with Carter, I'm just fascinated in the future of the center position, and Carter's a good calibrator for that, just like Mo Bamba will be, just like Jaron and DeAndre Eaton as well, of how, how can they do the double? Like, when, when are they challenging opponents to react to them? When, how are they able to handle the way the league is going. And for Carter, in some ways, it will actually be more interesting when he's a backup because there are a lot of different types of guys that are backup centers in the league now. I mean, you have the the kind of the Greg Monroe's of the world, but then you also have some teams that are going smaller that are going to be going different like we might see pascal siakam as the backup center some of the time in in toronto there are a bunch of teams that are probably going to experiment with that over the next couple years so i'm going to be interested in how wendell carter handles that sort of idea even though figuring out how he defends against the best players in the league is a a more important question long term
0: 1.4 what Wendell Carter being the most interesting, but one against kind of him as that barometer, is I don't really feel like I, at least I don't, have a good grasp of how well Wendell Carter moves. So I, I couldn't make him that barometer because there were some mixed signals coming in the draft. I was pretty down on his ability to defend in space before the draft. And then in summer league, uh, he completely surprised me with how well he looked doing it. So I don't know how good he is, let alone to, to judge him as a test case like that.
1: Well, for me, I would rather have somebody who's not optimal physically be a test case because the other guys were not as – like, Jaron Jackson, I think, is probably too good physically to, to put in that. I don't want them to be the calibrator because somebody who's smart and who moves, like, pretty well, I think is a better one, better kind of calibrator for where the position is going rather than somebody who kind of can do it, like like, theoretically Jackson or – I mean, Aiden, theoretically, if he he worked hard and his feet were a little bit better, he could do a lot too. So I like using Wendell as the calibrator, but I understand what you're saying. We're still going to talk about the season to come with Nate Duncan and Dan Feldman, but I want to take a moment to tell you about Quip. The truth of the matter is that most of us are brushing our teeth wrong. That can be because we're not doing it for long enough. We're not changing our brush on time. And a lot of that is because most brands focus on gimmicks rather than better brushing and not Quip. Quip is really impressive because it's an electric toothbrush that is a fraction of the cost of bulkier brushes while still packing the right amount of vibrations to help clean your teeth. I've used one for more than a year now and really, really like it. I love the built-in timer so that it tells you with little pulses when to change parts of your mouth, which is very useful, and it helps make sure that you brush for the dentist-recommended two minutes and that you're doing it in the right places. And then they also do this amazing thing with subscription plans, so... For just five bucks every three months, you get a new brush head, and that includes free shipping worldwide. So it's it's awesome, and they have a mount if you want to check that out. It's a fantastic product. They start at just twenty five dollars. They're less bulky, which is great. I originally thought of it as just a travel toothbrush, but it is now my everyday toothbrush. Start at twenty five bucks. Go to getquip.com/realgm, and you get your first refill pack for free. So. It already starts at a great price, but you get that first refill, which they do every three months. You get that for free if you go to getquip.com realgm Also want to tell you about our friends at TrueCar. Car. Here's some useful car tips you might not be aware of. A coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior. Removing excess weight from your car will improve gas mileage, and you can place your key fob to your chin to increase its range. Weird, right? Well, here's another tip you might not know about. TrueCar also helps people get used cars. That's right, TrueCar is not just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. And with TrueCar, users can see what others paid, so they know if they are getting a good deal before buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with TrueCar certified dealers. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. We can move on to the season preview section of this. And the question here is just ranking these teams one to five. I usually like to use regular season record. You know, assuming injury, health, and all that's equal. But if you want to provide a different rationale, best team or whatever, you can do so.
2: Yeah, it's a tough call for number one here between the Pacers uh, and Bucks, especially because the impact of Budenholzer is nebulous at this point in time. The Bucks, though, generally their key players are pretty young. Same, however, with the Pacers. So you might expect that, you know, just individually, there are going to be a lot of guys who. It can play a little bit better. I think I will ultimately go with the Bucks, just I think they have a little bit of a coaching advantage over the newly extended Nate McMillan. And I'm also just a believer in they've got a little bit more established talent. You know, Oladipo, while I thought he was unbelievable last year, I'm not sure that he can repeat that. You saw a lot of guys have really good seasons from three-point range they take a lot of long twos and they hit a lot of long twos last year it would, Tyreek you know, I, I can help but you're also skeptical of both his health and ability to improve I think the Bucks' depth now is pretty awesome as well you know unless they lose Giannis for some period of time so I I think I will go with the Bucks. number one mostly a vote for coach bud there but Pacers certainly hot on their heels
0: Yeah, I also had those two teams neck and neck, and then when we get to everybody else, I think it slides in pretty easily. I also went with the Bucks for, one, because of the coaching difference, which is not huge, but just a little thing tilting toward Milwaukee. And also, I thought about it like, who's the best player on each of these teams? Giannis and Oladipo. I think Giannis is better than Oladipo. Who's the second best player in each team? Chris Middleton. And, you know, insert whoever you want here, maybe Tariq Evans. I think Chris Middleton is better. So I just think, yeah, the Pacers might be a little deeper, but I think the Bucks have that more, have more talent at the top and better coaching and that puts them just ahead for me.
1: Well, the other factor here is I think that while the Pacers were better than the Bucks last year, the Bucks have more untapped potential, and there is a reason to believe that at least some of that potential will be tapped. You know, so I, and the possibility we talked about that yeah. the Pacers played over their heads, the Bucks sure as hell did not play over their heads <laughs> last year. There, if there is untapped there, that could push the margin, and then there's a chance that the Pacers step back just because of the regression of the mean of Oladipo or something else. So, yeah, I agree that it's those two in in that order.
2: Well, and one more thing on the Bucks too. Sure. Uh, I mean, I think with Bud leading the charge here, I, I think there's a possibility that this team is going to take a very significant step forward on defense from where they were a, a year ago. In last season, Milwaukee, not good defensively, right? They're 20th in the NBA, and it took a, a late surge – even to get there and i think you know they've got more floor spacing this year they've got a better offensive coach too uh but really defensively is the low-hanging fruit now if they're going to start brooke lopez at center might be a little bit harder to defend. But really, other than Lopez, everyone else on this team, at least physically, uh, has good talent on the defensive end. Or, or a guy like Ilyasova is a really smart defender.
1: Yeah. So like, let's say for for the sake of argument that the Bucks go from, I think, f- using cleaning glasses, they were 18th at, so they gave up 109.6 per 100 possessions.
2: Oh, yeah. Sorry. I, I misread that. Thanks.
1: And then OKC was 10th at 107. So if they improve by 2.6 points per hundred possessions defensively, and let's say they have no improvement offensively, that bumps them up to a net rating that is close to like that's around the top ten in the league. It's a little bit below Minnesota and the Spurs and all that, but that's a like that's a pretty good team. Like that, I think that's a better team than I would expect Indiana to be. Indiana could get there, but that's going there. And I think they have gains to make offensively as well. Like they, they could they could be a plus. You know, maybe like a plus. Three points per per hundred possessions team, and if they're at that level, that's you know not elite, but you know pretty good.
2: So uh, after that, I mean, I, I think it's slightly interesting between the Pistons and Cavs, but I I would have the, the Pistons well above the Cavs. I, I see. Really, no way that the Cavs are going to be able to defend decently uh, this season. I, well, I mean, maybe you, unless there's just LeBron's lack of effort was just that toxic. But, you know, they were 29th last year, and it's not like they improved the personnel really this year. It, maybe Tristan Thompson can play a little bit better than he has because uh, uh, he had kind of a lost year in the regular season. Last year, but I, and then, you know, the offense, it's really hard to see them being above average on offense either. So, you know, I mean, the Cavs kind of feel like at best a low 30s win type of team. I think the Pistons will be, uh, you know, right where they've always been. <laughs> Basically, like projected for uh, high 30s and wins. Uh, play, play the
0: record again. Yeah, I, I agree with that. The Cavs were so brutal uh beyond LeBron last year. And that team had Kevin Love too. Like they still had him, and they just never. All of their support. They, they did play
2: him at center, though. I think, it, which really tanked their D. I think they'll play him exclusively at power forward this year, which should, should help them.
1: You know what's amazing, yeah. Jetty Osman for LeBron. I'm not saying that's who they're going to start at the three, but I would say that's a regular season defensive upgrade for the Cavs over what LeBron played defensively last year.
0: Um. Maybe overall, except, you know, in the moments where you really want to go defense, LeBron let's say outside of January in some of those close moments still could bring it at times when yeah. he wanted to osman can never dial it up to that level in close games
2: yeah that's true last year lebron uh had really uh one of the greatest clutch seasons uh, of all time in both the regular season and the postseason really and then uh you know and the cavs uh, overall did i mean the cavs what did they win? did they end up winning 50 last year they, yeah
0: so i think they were 43 pythagorean wins
2: yeah 50 and 32 in the regular season
1: i'm so excited to see also you talked about that their defense isn't going to be better i agree with that what this team's offense looks like without lebron because they didn't we we got the thought experiment i think that so many of us have wanted over the years of a team losing lebron james and not really replacing him and if their offense drops to like the bottom 10 you know like if they have plenty of talent but if but they don't really have that linchpin and less Kevin Love go, takes the way back machine and they get you know they use a lot of the old the Flip Saunders type stuff that you know like maybe this team is bottom bottom 5 bottom 2 in defense and below average in offense and then that to me this is why they're different than the Pistons and why I have them they're not in a tier by themselves but why they're pretty far separated is because they like if they are a step behind everybody else, then it all starts to fall apart. Then they probably tank to keep their pick and everything else. Whereas the Pistons don't really have that kind of downside risk that the Cavs do.
2: But by well, the way, Danny, the coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves, the last time Kevin Love was there was Rick Adelman. You're right. Was before, before Flip, Flip Saunders,
0: thunders. you're yeah. right. I guess with the Cavs though. I mean, yes, they can always change gears, and I kind of think the gears are going to get changed on them. How much they embrace it, though, I don't know. I mean, this is a team built to win in the present because they just had LeBron. It's a pretty veteran-laden roster. It's not going to be super easy just to flip all that around, especially if they're losing. And if they're losing, I think a lot of their players would have lower trade values.
1: Do you think they weren't trying to trade those guys now? I mean, it, it seems like having a lower trade value is basically the same. It leads you to the same place that they're already where they already are.
0: Yes, but without, but you're already, you know, down this road with them. You can't, just. So, you, I, it's the same situation. I just don't think the situation is changing. I think they're, they're stuck with this type of team and it's a crummy old team.
2: Well, and Cavs versus Bulls, to me, is probably a more interesting question than Cavs versus Pistons.
0: I would agree with that. But I I think we all have the Bulls safely enough behind that, you know, that's how we're going to order it. But I do agree. I think that one's probably a little closer.
1: I hadn't thought about it, but yeah, I think you're right. That there's a, a pretty significant chance that the Cavs end up closer to the Bulls' record than they do to the Pistons, especially because the Pistons, you know, you talk about projected for the high 30s, but if this is a little bit of a softer east than expected, that could, they could easily be in the low 40s, and so then that, that would mean that the Cavs would probably be closer. But we can move on to the next question. How many teams from this division do you think make the playoffs?
0: Uh, three. I think the Pacers and Bucks are pretty safe. And then I think the Pistons, I have them eighth right now, and, you know, same as always, they're kind of in that range with the Hornets pessimistically, the Heat optimistically, and I see some intrigue with the Nets, but I'd have a hard time putting them ahead. I'm not really high on what the Magic are going to be next year. I, you know, I just think that the, the Pistons are in fairly decent shape to make the playoffs.
2: Yeah, it, it seems that way. I mean, you, you would imagine with the lack of turnover in the conference, with the lack of moves that were made by the teams at the bottom to really get much better. I mean, there's really uh, no none of these teams really made any moves to make you think that their fortunes will be substantially different. I mean, the Bulls probably had, I guess, the most turnover uh, of, you know, and I'm talking about just the whole East, the, the bottom of the East at this point. The, the Hawks had a lot of turnover too, but I mean, they're just – you know, there's going to be probably starting a rookie point guard and, you know, they weren't any good last year either. So, yeah, I mean, it does seem like the Hornets and the Pistons will be in a dogfight for that eighth spot and perhaps, you know, not particularly high on the win charts, but you would have to say, especially because, you know, teams like the Heat, for example, are a very deep team. So injuries, you know, should be, you know, unless something happens to Dragic, you know, they should be relatively resilient. With injuries, you have to imagine that other than Cleveland, the other seven teams that made the playoffs has to be feeling pretty safe right now.
0: I, I will say in the bottom of the East, the one maybe variable that probably swings both ways. I think the Hornets have a more talented roster than the Magic, but I'm a stiff, uh, Steve Clifford believer. I don't think he's going to turn this Magic team into anything huh. next year. And
2: I don't know so what. Are, are really you a DJ Augustin
0: and Jerry and Grant no. believer? Nope. And that, that's why I am not high on them at all. Like I don't think he can make this happen. But but his strength as a coach seems to be taking a mediocre team and then getting them to buy in and play within a defensive system and be okay.
1: So he's yeah, basically more palatable Scott Skiles? Uh, Scott Skiles plus. If they'd upgraded at point guard, I mean,
2: I, I thought it was – because they disappointed so much and they lost you know like 30 out of 35 games at one point after that eight and four start i think it was lost that the magic had so many injuries last year i think when healthy they actually have some players who are reasonably talented players they don't don't have a star to be sure but i think that the magic uh, if they had upgraded a point guard maybe could have been in the mix for me with the Hornets uh, and the Pistons, uh, but I, I do not expect that to be the case now. I mean, So I, I'm going to say three. I think the Pistons will get there. Pacers and Bucks, obviously uh, also uh, looking like uh, pretty much locks at this point.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with three as well, but I, there's a chance of two just because neither one of the top two teams could survive a big injury, but that's just you, you can't necessarily attribute that, and they wouldn't have another team to step in, so then it would probably be two. But yeah, I, I think that's the most reasonable outcome, especially because if there just aren't that many teams that can get in there. And you brought up like the thing with Orlando. Like, yeah, if Orlando had had a different offseason, I could have seen them kind of where the Nets are, maybe even above that in terms of a team where I can see the argument. I just wouldn't expect it. Instead, they're they're below that. And then the last question for this is what players do you think will break out, and that can be a lot of different things. It can be guys that are underappreciated now. That can be more appreciated that could be opportunity just just like players that you think we'll be talking about more six months from now than we are at this juncture i'll
0: take chris middleton and i think that's because he's going to make an all-star team this year i think he's been a borderline all-star for a few years now and we just think and talk so much differently about borderline all-stars who get into one than borderline all-stars who don't and so if he crosses that threshold I think he's just going to have a very different perception as a player, even if he's not substantially better. I think he's been underrated for a little while now, and I don't think he needs to make a big leap uh, to get that stats, especially if they keep this East-West all-star picking uh, system, where you're still going to pick the the 12 all-stars from from the East. That'll give him a leg up maybe they this year with the player draft maybe they just say we're gonna pick 24 all-stars but if they're gonna do that if they're gonna make that change maybe they'll make the other big change that i've been calling for which is there should be 26 all-stars because the active rosters are now 13 players and again that would help middleton
2: so uh, let me take you through my thought process here i'll just do Some of the guys that I just would even consider on some of these, I think Zach Levine, Jabari Parker, and Larry Markkinen, who apparently has bulked up significantly this year on the Bulls, I think are certainly worth discussing. I don't think there's really anyone on the Cavs that you could look at. Maybe Kevin Love, you could say. But, you know, we've mentioned our reasons why we're skeptical. That's necessarily going to happen. I don't think there's anyone that sexy on the Pistons for this question. uh, Stanley Johnson, I've kind of given up on putting him on this list uh, (laughs) from when we did this last year. Pacers, you know, again, I mean, Victor Oladipo had his last year. Maybe Miles Turner, who supposedly uh, has lost a bunch of weight and is eating better and, and stuff like that. You know, he's one he's always had, the physical talent. Can he get better enough? Defensively, that's really where the the fruit is for him. And then I think on the Bucks, you know, just Giannis. I I mean, despite he's been getting so much better every year with Bud's system, you know, maybe he really is a, a candidate for regular season MVP. I mean, you would think that with the Rockets, you know, James Harden got his last year. The Warriors guys don't really look like they're going there. The Lakers, it would be, especially with the talent around LeBron and his age, the way he plays in the regular season doesn't, he doesn't look like that great of a candidate. I mean, that's kind of your top four players in the league. So you might see Kawhi Leonard maybe in that discussion if he can get back. But I think, you know, Giannis and AD are kind of the other guys. So, you know, I, I haven't really thought about it yet. But I might even, if Giannis wins MVP, you would have to say probably him and he, he might actually be my pick. Uh, amazingly, I, I want to see how the Bucks look in the preseason before we, we do that. So, yeah. That, uh, but if I, I got to pick one, you know, I think I will go with Giannis. I think that it's just uh, I'm talking myself more into being a believer of what the Bucks do. Mean be. we've been complaining. For years, oh, my God, they have so much talent on this team. They're so underutilized, blah, blah. And like, all right, well, now they got a coach who I think most people would have said is a top 10 coach. There's times he's been a coach of the year candidate. Well, so it's time to put our money where our mouth is now and say, yeah, you know what? They got this new coach. They fixed this problem. Now they are actually going to be a lot better.
1: And one of the big differences between Giannis and AD in terms of MVP case is that I can see the Bucks. it would be hard for them to get into the top three unless there's a health issue with one of those, because those teams are just really good. They're put together, and I, I think the Sixers are going to win a, a fair number of games this year. But if they can get into that fourth spot, we already know that that's okay for an MVP now. It's, it's not as big a deal. R- Russ did it, obviously, and you know Harden, that team, was number one, so that's a possibility. And with Giannis, there aren't the issues of wondering who, like, that somebody else is carrying him. You know, like, if they have success, it will all be given to Giannis, and so they can have that benefit. I'm going to throw, you You talked about the Pistons, I'm going to throw one Piston out there, and that's Luke Kennard. Kennard is not going to be a an all-star or anything like that, but when I saw him play last year, both in Summer League and in the regular season, I saw somebody who was competent, who could do a lot of things that in, in, intrigued me, and... So if he can be a stable rotation player for the Pistons, like it's pretty clear he's not going to be Donovan Mitchell. That's totally fine. <laughs> it's not fair to compare him to Donovan Mitchell. But if I, I think he could do that, Osman, I've mentioned him a couple times in the show. If he gets an opportunity, I think he could be you know like a solid player. He was. Only played a little bit in summer league, but, you know, you could tell from his national team stuff that he was engaged and like, oh, yeah, this guy can actually play basketball. So that can help on Cleveland's team because they might not have a lot of guys that are playing with urgency this year. We'll have to see. But, yeah, I mean, Giannis is, is certainly a reasonable call. And he, I mean, last year I had him, I think I had him in the top three in the MVP for a few months. And then he fell out a little bit as, you know, kind of as the wheels went off for the Bucks and as other guys developed stronger cases. But that's an interesting call.
0: So I'm going to just throw out a, a couple more names that we didn't get to. I agree with your picks. And, Nate, you really talked me into Giannis Danny. I, I also like Jetty. I think Ante Zizic has a chance. I really liked him coming into the draft. He hasn't done anything really in the NBA yet, but a high-motor player really gets after it on the boards, is, is mobile for a big man. I think there's some, still some potential there. Uh, Larry Nance Jr., I thought, was the prize of the Cavaliers' trade with the Lakers, if there was one there. Maybe kind of wasn't. Uh but Larry Nancy is really good. I'm not sure if he was healthy enough in Cleveland to show it. And maybe uh with a chance in the offseason to get fully healthy, he can show it. And I actually had another piston shooting guard written down. Uh Reggie Bullock. I don't think Luke Kennard is a bad pick. I actually wrote them both down. But I would if I'm picking one, I think it would be Bullock. And I think it's kind of encouraging that you have two guys on this list, and if they push each other, whoever wins that job beat out the other, and that's a positive indicator. But I I just think Bullock has grown into a solid player still. As many years as he's been in the league, just hasn't quite had a role that seems to match the promise or ability he's shown, and maybe he grows into that this year.
2: Yeah, he was a a solid signing in what was a much more expansive free agent market next year. And, and, And he's one of these guys who, although maybe his defense is a little overrated and maybe his offense is underrated, who just, uh, when we've been banging the drum about, hey, take some chances on these low-level wings who have a little bit of physical talent, you know, he's the success story from that.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Anything else you guys want to discuss? Anything that feels important to put out there for this division?
2: Uh, well, yeah, I think uh, the fact that we, as you requested, avoided discussing Gordon Hayward's impact on the division.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> 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 Danny Danny sent us this article or, or I'm sorry, this email which was cut and pasted from a cut and paste email from last year about the Atlantic division that was like, say best newcomer, but you're not allowed to say Gordon Hayward. So we, we succeeded We did not mention Gordon Hayward here until the very end.
0: I'd like to get one takeoff real quick. I think the oh, yeah. goal of Depot is not gonna regress next year. And I I became such a big believer in how he was playing last year. Like I'm I'm in. I think he is fully a star now and I don't know if he's going to get better cuz it's such a high bar, but I I think he's going to be at that level or above.
2: I don't expect a significant step back. I think just he shot the ball so incredibly well the first half of the season and that did regress the second half of the season, but you know, and that's a big part of his game is can he take that shot off the dribble in pick and roll? from downtown. But, no, I, I agree. I mean, if he takes a step back, I think it's it's going to be more in just those whether the ball goes in type of things as opposed to, you know, what he showed physically getting to the rim, I, I thought was, you know, that that's something that I don't expect to see uh, regressed at all.
1: Yeah, and I'm really excited to see. It'll probably more be in 2019 than 2018. But if the Pacers can eventually retool more to be a Victor Oladipo team, and so that that could mean playing somebody who's more of a two Next to him, kind of like what I'm hoping for with Donovan Mitchell and maybe changing some of their stuff around defensively. But, yeah, the Pacers, like, they ended up just finding this fascinating team kind of out of nowhere because when they, I mean, at least for those of us who criticized the Paul George trade. And so it's going to take a year longer than I wanted to, to to really come to fruition, but I'm excited to see it.
0: Is there anybody on this podcast who criticized the Paul George trade?
2: Uh, we, we've given uh, plenty of mea culpas for that one over, <laughs> over, the,
0: over the years. Don't
2: worry.
1: Some of us regrade our off season so we we, we self flagellate.
0: <laughs> I was also very down in the trade and has, have also eaten a lot of crow for what it's worth.
1: But that that's what you do. Sometimes we get these things wrong, and it's good, it's better to embrace it than to hold hold firm when you the evidence goes the other direction. So we'll we'll see what happens this year. But thank you guys so much for taking the time.
0: Our pleasure. Thanks for having us.
1: Thanks again to Nate Duncan and Dan Feldman for taking the time to come on. You can listen to Nate, and often me, on the Dunked On Basketball podcast, usually five times a week, but during the summer we take a little bit of a lighter schedule. And you can also, of course, follow Nate at NateDuncanNBA on Twitter. And you can read Dan at NBC's Pro Basketball Talk site, and you can follow him on Twitter at Dan Feldman NBA. Really enjoyed this podcast. Love doing these division capsules with smart people and going through them. We ha- we're we of a similar mind in this group of three on-, on a lot of these things, but it was still worth going through. And, and some of the places where we kind of had points of conflict, I thought-, I thought were really interesting in terms of, you know, like kind of where maybe the Pacers are going to be. And then the thought process that Nate went through on Giannis was very interesting for me. I hadn't really pieced that together. I had still not all the way in regular season in mode yet, but it made a lot of sense to me. The presumption will be that I will be doing these episodes for most of the upcoming weeks. There are still plenty more things to do between now and the start of the season, including hopefully over-unders at some point. So it'll be interspersed if, if something comes up, or if I have a good guest that wants to come on, they will be in place of a a division capsule so it's just kind of however it works but it's good to get a couple of them out of the way now so that it can be a more balanced schedule moving forward but still lots of good stuff to talk about i'm really getting excited for some of the other ones that are coming up if you have any input on the show good bad or indifferent danny larue nba at gmail.com is the way to do that if you take the time to write it i will take the time to read it i don't promise i'll respond though i try to it is it is important to me but i do read it because That is, you know, that's how the show gets better. And so that can be anything. It can be you like something, it can be that you don't like something, it can be you have somebody else on. And, you know, there are a lot of constraints on why I have people on, you know, sometimes they're busy or cancel or whatever else, but your input is important. And that helps me think about who I want to have on and when. If your focus is more on spreading the word and helping the show out rather than making the show better, there are a lot of ways that you can do that too. You can Leave a rating, leave a review in the podcast way of your choosing. But it's great if it's Apple Podcasts. If you want to be super awesome, you can rate and review in your other podcast and in Apple Podcasts. That is your prerogative, but I really do appreciate that. You can also subscribe, download every episode. Those are very big things for a podcast like this that comes out a little bit more sporadically because you can't really get into rhythm. That's part of the way this works. And as far as I can see it, it will always be that way. You can also spread the word through social media, through in-person stuff. Really do appreciate that. And then the biggest thing you can do for this podcast and any other one that has advertisers is to check out our sponsors, BetOnline.ag great place if for those of you who are who are interested in gambling to check that out they do of course football which is coming up soon baseball which is going on now and everything else and if you use that podcast one that is the number one promo code you get a 50 percent bonus on your deposit which is awesome simple contacts you can either go to simplecontacts.com realgm slash real gm20 or you can just use the real gm20 promo code either way you get twenty dollars off which is fantastic quip getquip.com slash real GM. Get your first refill pack for free. Been using it a lot. Just, I, I use it as my everyday, but I do appreciate Quip more when I'm on the road, just because when you're putting together your toiletries bag, having a more manageable thing where you still have the power and the value of an electric toothbrush in that bag is is just a godsend. I really do love it. So if you go to getquip.com slash real gm, you get that first refill pack for free. I actually just got one like two weeks ago, which is awesome. And then our friends at True Car, great place to buy a new and used car. Not exactly sure when next week the episode will come up, but there will be a new one. That's the fun of subscribing. You can you can get it whenever it comes in. And Also, as a strange coincidence, the three people on this podcast will be doing a very different podcast together in the very near future for dunked on. I don't know if Nate thought of it because we were all talking and he's just like, hey, we might as well do that. But you can check that out with dunked on. Nate and I are doing about twice a week now, but we're going through a lot of good content. We just did East offseason grades. And then I have writing work, for The Athletic, I have a bunch of stuff that's in the works, uh, pick protection primer, using the great Real GM pick database. But then I also have some big picture stuff, some small picture stuff. And then I want to really get some work done on the CBA encyclopedia as well for Real GM. That is going to be one of my focuses over the next couple of weeks. And so I have a bunch of different ideas that I want to do there. So get to work on that too. So thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day. <music>
0: It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is, we have an answer. Sona Bello uses a remarkable technique called micro laser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently.
1: Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. Come in or do a virtual live chat consult for from- home, visit sono, slash Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello. slash save. Sonobello. slash save.